It is a pleasure and honor to be before you on tonight. I'm so thankful to have an opportunity to come before you. I'm blessed to have such wonderful, wonderful church members and family members uh, with support. Let me start by thanking God for our pastors, Bishop James F. Harris and Lady Sylvia Harris. Thanking God for them and all that they're doing in the kingdom, standing on the wall. I also want to thank God for all of our leaders and teachers. Oh my goodness, um, Minister Thorne and Minister Pittman and I, I want to say Minister Danielle, they have really been bringing a mighty word. And it's really been very exciting seeing our bishop back in the sanctuary. And so I'm just so thankful for all of you. And thank you for being with us on tonight. I ask for your prayers, but I'm just going to give it over to the Lord and allow him to do what he will with um, what he's given me. Before we do that, though, I too would like to pray. Then I'd just um, like to give a really small, quick testimony and ask for your prayers in another area before we start. Lord, I thank you again for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, that you've chosen this vessel to use to bring forth a word for your people. Lord, have your way on the inside of me, Lord. I give all of me to you, Lord. All of the insecurities, Lord, all of the concern and fear, Lord. I just turn it over to you now in the name of Jesus, knowing that you do all things well and you make all things work together for our good. I thank you because you are a good God and you've never failed me. And I lift my hands to you on tonight, asking you to meet the needs of us all. Lord, let us be changed, let us be charged, and let us be challenged. We give your name all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, well, the title of our lesson tonight is All of Me. Basically, what the Lord had put on my spirit is that God wants all of us. He wants every part of us. God wants all of us. And if you will, I'm not too good at keeping up with the chat and everything, but I want to ask if you wouldn't mind putting it in the chat. God wants all of me, even the imperfections. Even those things that you may not think somebody else wants, God wants those. He wants every single part of you. He wants to use those things. He had actually thought about everything that goes along with you, wonderful you. You know, the word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So he thought about all of the great things that he's given you, and he wants to use those things. But on tonight, I want to take a moment and talk about some of the challenges, some of those challenges that might hinder us, that might cause us to not want to give God all of us. God wants all of us, every single part. And we want to start to stomp on the devil when he tries to tell us that there are certain parts of us that God doesn't want or that God can't use. He can use every single part of you. If he couldn't use it, he wouldn't have given it to us. And he's always using it either to make us our best selves, to show somebody else what God has done for us and deliver us, but he wants to use it. And we don't want to draw back. The scripture is Matthew 22 and 37, and I will read it in the New King James Version. And it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if you were to look at this same text in Mark, and if you look at it in Luke, you would see the same verbiage there. You know, we say these are the synoptic gospels. Uh, Luke adds on with all your strength. And so I just want to take a moment and talk about Matthew 22, 3, um, 37, Matthew 22 and 37. It's, it's in this chapter and in this text that Jesus now is being confronted 
by a lot of different people, asking him a lot of questions. If I was an attorney, I would say that they were leading questions. You know, they had a lot of suppositions inside of them, affirmations. You know, they're basically trying to interrogate God and ask him, should we do this or should we do that? They came to him and asked him, you know, is it lawful to pay taxes? Then they asked him, you know, if a man dies and he married, you know, had a wife and his wife marries his brothers, who will be her husband in heaven? And then they come to him and they ask him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And now, like I said, they're asking him all of these questions because they're really trying to trip him up. They're hoping that he says something that will cause people to turn away from him. They're hoping that he will say something that's an untruth. And they're asking their questions in such a way that, you know, for the average person, the average person would struggle with them. They might would succumb to some of those questions. But this was God from glory that they were asking. And when they asked him that last question, they said, what is the grace? And, you know, even though it had been talked about in the Bible, we know about the Ten Commandments. But they came on the scene and they asked him, they said, you know, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responded with Matthew 22, 22 and 37 and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And I believe that he responded this way because he's making it very clear. God wants every single part of us. If we're saying that we're loving on God with all of us, and by the way, when we use that word all, it means everything. Then that means that I've got to give him all of me. That includes my heart, that includes my soul, and that includes my spirit. Now, we could take a moment, and I think Tion, by the way, she spent some time talking about the mind and the heart in these parts, and certainly they have some meaning individually, right? We know biologically the heart pumps blood. We know that the scripture says that you should keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issue of life, and that it also says in Psalms 51 and 10, created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So we know that the heart, from a physical perspective, may be somewhat different, but it also has to do with the intelligence and the character, you know, what kind of posture you have towards people or towards things. And then if we were to look at the soul, you know, Jeremiah um, says that God said in Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. So if we would look at the soul as a standalone, we'd be looking at the breath, you know, the abstractness, you know, of the individual. Some people even say that in the soul, it's the feet of the desires and emotions and feelings and affections and things of that nature. And then if we were to just look at the mind, you know, um, we would start to look at understanding, thought, mind and reasoning and things of that nature. But what I want to say is in this scripture, they're kind of overlapping here. If you were to borrow a page from biblical anthrop anthropology, what they would say is that these words here used in this text are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but they overlap together. They're demanding our love for God to come from our whole person, from our every faculty, and from our full capacity, that we are to give him our hearts, our soul, and our mind. And when you overlap all of that, that we're able to be our very best selves in Christ Jesus, amen? So then with that said, where I would like to hang my hat on tonight is on the mind part. Even though they're interconnected, but he's saying, I want you to love me with all of you every part of you.
And, and this is on my mind because it's just in my spirit that there's some who maybe have some areas that maybe they're not as proud of. Maybe there's some insecurities. Maybe there's some issues. I don't know what. But we keep that part to ourselves. And what we try to give God is what we think is what is the best, so to speak, of ourselves, some component of it. But what God is saying is, you know, I need you to give me all of you. I need you to give me every single part of you. Because if you don't give it to me, then I can't shine light on it. I can't use it to work for you. I can't use it to be a testimony or a ministry for someone else. I just can't use it. And, you know, and it's on my spirit that some people will sort of hold back that part of themselves thinking, well, I can't give this to God. You know, God maybe wouldn't accept this. You know, you know, in the Old Testament, if you were reading the Bible, it talks about how God wanted a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice. That's not us. We're not a perfect lamb. We're not the perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ came to be the perfect lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. He came and he did so that we can. And so what God is saying to us is, I need you to come to me just as you are, but I need you to give me all of you. Don't hold back some of those parts, if you will, that are going to keep you bound, that are going to keep you hindered, and that are going to keep you from going forth and do the mighty works that I would have you to do. I need you to use all of that and be upfront about all of that so that when I use you, we can give God the glory. Amen. Now, uh, to go into that a little bit more, I want to go into some examples. Uh, Gideon in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. This is a familiar text. You know, some people know about Gideon. You know, he, you know, he was um, a person who, you know, maybe was, a, you know, a, a military man, I guess. But um, uh, at any rate, you know, Israel had, you know, been under duress. They had been, you know, um, you know, oppressed for several years. And typically when this happens, there was this cycle going on with Israel. And God came on the scene and he spoke to Gideon. And Gideon really, I believe, I'm not certain, but I believe this is sort of like the first time that he kind of like popped up on the scene. And God said, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened? And where are all of his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from out of Egypt? But now, this is Gideon talking, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. I'm going to put a stop there. Judges 6, 12 through 16. God had the angel appear to Gideon and say to him, the Lord is with you. That's the first part. God had him say, the Lord is with you. And then the second thing God had the angel say is, you mighty man of valor. Now we know God is all knowing. God knew what was in Gideon's heart when he had the angel present to him. And I read the rest of what Gideon started to say. What did Gideon start to do? He started to complain and other things. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. That's something else that I want you to listen to. God said to Gideon, who already had some stinking thinking, who was, you know, low-key complaining. He didn't call him what he was. He called him what God knew he could be. 
because God is Alpha and Omega. So he, that's why he said, you're a mighty man of valor. And then even after Gideon said what he said, God said to him, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And he went on to say, have I not sent you? But look at what Gideon said. Gideon then said, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is weak in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now I use this as an example because when I say God wants all of you, give it all to him. Give every single part of yourself to him. He already knows it's there anyway, but when we give it over to God, then God can use us to bring forth a mighty work. But sometimes when we don't give God all of us, it holds us back. When God calls us in the ministry, when God calls us to go forth and witness, when God calls us to do great works, we will have this stinking thinking. We will have these thoughts in our mind, these parts of our mind that we have not loved God with our whole mind. We've only loved him with a part of it. These thoughts that will hold us back, these thoughts that will tell us things that will hinder us, questions that will come to our mind, just like the questions they were asking Jesus. Didn't you fail the last time? Didn't you try to do that and it didn't go through? Don't you know that you might not be able to make it? People are going to laugh at you if it doesn't come to pass. All of these things are part of that stinking thinking and part of that mind that's not totally given fully to God. See, when we're loving God with our whole mind, what that means is we're letting the word of God infiltrate our mind. And we're not letting some of those past traumas, some of those past disappointments, some of those past feelings hinder us and hold us back from moving forth into what God said. Because when we love him with our whole minds, then we take on the mind of Christ. And we acknowledge and recognize that God called me anyway, even with my perfect imperfections. Why do I say perfect imperfections? Because God says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but we do have to move forth. There is a mighty work that must be done and we cannot wait until we think we're perfect, which is why God is saying, love me with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And if you can love me like that, then you can trust me and you can move forth and you can do what God is calling you to do. These are indeed perilous times. These are times where God is ready to use us in a mighty way, but we've got to make sure that we love him with our whole mind. Now, when we talk about the mind, you see, in the mind, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it talks about the mind as being both positive and negative. From a negative perspective, the mind could be blinded according to 2 Corinthians, or corrupt, or debased, or even confused like Gideon's was. See, Gideon thought it was going to take his power. <laughs> when God said, you mighty man of valor, that's because God knew he was going to stand up on the inside of him and do it. And that's what God is saying to you and me. When God is calling us to a mighty work, even some things that we don't think we can do. God is saying, yeah, you can do it, but we've got to watch it because the mind can have some negativity there. But on the other side of it, there's some positive thinking here. Humans may have the minds renewed, 
according to Romans 12 and 2. And, you know, they can be pure, according to Peter, but we've got to give it over to the Lord. They may love God with all their minds. And Luke says that um, God's laws should be implanted in our minds. And, and we're in, admonished to have the mind of Christ so that we are instructed to be united with Christ in our minds. And I'm talking about that because, again, this is the place where it has an impact on what we think, what we feel, and what we do. So let me take a moment. The mind has three parts. Now, God knew all of this, of course, but science is just figuring it out somewhat. The thinking part. We know that Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And there was a Roman emperor who said, we become what we think. Now, if God is calling us mighty, and if God is telling us that we have the victory, but we're thinking that we don't, that thinking goes backwards and starts to impact our feelings. And then after it impacts our feelings, then it starts to impact what we do. And sometimes that can cause us to draw back. Sometimes that can cause us to not press forward. And sometimes that can cause us to not share and to not go forth and, and get the victory for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's quite interesting to me that the power of the thoughts for something that cannot be seen, heard, or even measured, thoughts have an incredible power. Our mood for an entire day can be hinged on how we interpret a single disappointment. As a matter of fact, as a clinician, I know that a person's whole life can be hinged upon how they interpreted a disappointment. Thoughts can have a profound effect on our behavior, affecting whether we forgive or retaliate, whether we engage or withdraw, whether we persevere or give up. No matter what we've been struggling with, chances are our thoughts have played a role in that struggle either in causing the distress or in prolonging it. Now, on last night here in Hanover, anyway, there was a severe thunderstorm. There were warnings, and I heard that warning. And although I'd heard it, I noticed when I went outside that the sky was turning really dark. You know, the big drops of rain had started to come down, and the winds picked up. And what I realized was that the tree limbs, well, the trees actually, not even the limbs, were starting to bow to the wind. And I thought to myself, wow, this wind that I can't even see is causing these mighty trees that I can't even move on my own. It's causing these trees to bow at their will. It was swishing them from the left to the right, north, south, and making them bend and bow at the will of the wind. And just as it was with the wind and the trees on last night, so it is with some of us with our thoughts. Our thoughts cause us to bow and bend in areas that we should not be bowing and bending in. Our thoughts cause us to draw back because we do not take on the mind of Christ. There's one other example that I'd like to share with you about God wanting us all, even our insecurities, and that's with Moses. You're familiar with the story of Moses in Exodus when God said to him, come now, Therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I want to make a pit stop there. 
I think there's some of us who are saying, who am I that I should do this? Who am I that I should have that business? Who am I that I should have this breakthrough idea? Who am I that I should have this great investment, so to speak? And the Lord said to Moses in 410 um, and through 12, oh, my Lord. And, and he says, you can do it. And Moses said, but wait a minute. I'm not eloquent in my speech. Neither before nor since have you, you know, I can't do it. I'm slow in speech. My tongue is slow. And so what I'm trying to convey here is that Moses himself, who was a mighty man of God, the one who God spoke to face to face, had his insecurities. And he had to deal with those insecurities because God said to him, well, look, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute? Who makes the deaf and the seeing and the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. And I believe what the Lord is saying here on tonight is that he wants every single part of us. He's not wanting us to allow some of those insecurities to hinder us from moving forth and getting the exploits that God would have us to get, living beneath our privilege or what God would have us to do, walking in sickness when God is wanting us to move forth. We've got to make sure that we really give our whole selves to God, our entire mind, our hearts and our souls. And when we do that, then we embody the word of God in the midst of that. And even though we recognize that we may not yet be perfected, we're going to walk on in the Lord. We're going to keep moving and see our change come by and by. We're going to follow Joshua 1 and 8 that says, The book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, that they may observe to do according to all that is written therein. And for then they shall make their way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so I say to you on tonight, God wants all of me. God wants all of you. God wants every part of you, even those parts that you don't think are so good. God wants the trauma. God wants the disappointment. God wants the insecurities. God wants the fear. God wants the bruises, the scars, the stretch marks. He wants every single part of it. But we've got to make sure that we acknowledge that God made us fearfully and wonderfully just as we are. This is no excuse to not go on and take on the mind of Christ. But what this does say is we must go forth in God. We must allow ourselves to be used in a mighty way by God. And we must not fall back or draw back. This is why when God comes and says these beautiful things to us, we've got to say yea and amen. Somebody else did that in the Bible. Somebody else did that. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel came to her and spoke to her, she said, be it unto me according to your word. There she was. What was said to her seemed so impossible since she did not know a man. And she was a very young girl. And she was told something that no one had ever heard of, that a woman would conceive without in vitro fertilization and without having intercourse with a man. Yet and still, she was able to take on the mind of Christ and give God all of her her heart, her soul, and her spirit, her thoughts, her rationalizations, her feelings. She didn't allow those things to hinder her. She was able to come forth really quickly and say, be it unto me according to your word. And as with her, so it should be with us. We must say, be it unto me according to your word, because God, you need all of me. 
I need you to see all of me so that you can work those things out of me. I need to stop holding back those parts that I think I can handle. Those parts that I think I can work on. No, no. God is saying, I need to love me with all of you, your whole heart, your whole soul, and with all of your mind. And this is the main commandment, the first commandment that I'd have you to do. And if you do that, and you give me every single part of you, even those parts of the mind that are hindrance, then maybe God can do some pretty miraculous things for you and for me. So what do we do about this then? We want to make sure that we give God our whole mind. If we do not give him our whole mind, we will continue to be stagnated. We will continue to tread water and some of us will start to go backwards. So what we want to do is be mindful of the thoughts that we have. And we want to take some of those thoughts captive according to the word of God. But not only that, we want to make note of how these thoughts that present themselves, how they line up with it and how they change our feelings and then our behaviors. Something else we want to do is get to the root cause of some of those thoughts. Where is that thought coming from? Is that thought coming from God? Does it match to the word of God? Or is that thought coming from some past history, some past disappointment, something that happened in the past that caused me to not accomplish something that I'd set forth to do? Once we take note of those thoughts, then we've got to make sure that we put the word of God on it. And as we put the word of God on it, then we want to walk in that fullness and that boldness. We know what Philippians says. It says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure and lovely, whatever is a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And so on tonight, I want to just challenge you. Give God all of you, every single part. If you stutter, if, you, if you're not a strong reader, if you don't think there's some things you do well, if there's some things you don't like, give it all to God. He wants it. He loves you just as you are. And he wants to use all of you. He wants us to give him all of us, our hearts, our souls, and our minds. And he wants us to give it to him with all of his strength. So speaking of all, in closing, just a few scriptures for your remembrance. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. God can use every single part of you. And of course, we know Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We want to be all in for God, but we want to make sure that we expose some of those vulnerable parts. We want to make sure that we share some of those parts with him that we're concerned about sharing with anyone else. These are the things that hinder us from moving forth in God. These are the things that hinder us from taking our rightful place. I encourage you, give God all of you, every single bit, even that part that you don't think is so nice. He wants to use it all. He's going to get the glory out of it. He needs some other people to see how God has used a misfit person, maybe even from the country, with parents, one who didn't even finish high school, to do some amazing things. A person that's not perfect, but a person that is striving for the mark, pressing towards the mark. That's you and that's me. Let's give God all of us, 
our entire minds. And let's use that mind to bring forth the glory of God and not to cast ourselves down and not to bring forth doubt and disappointment, but to bring forth the victory that is already assured to you and to me. Thank you so much. You pray my strength in the Lord.